This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, help, better help. Now, is there something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, everybody who listens to Stop Self-Sabotage has something that they want for themselves that they are not getting because they feel that they're frustrated or they wouldn't be listening. They want more. And personally, when I first became a therapist, I went into therapy because I was so hurt in an emotional relationship. And I wanted to repair that. And BetterHelp is a place that you can do just that for yourself. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists as needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. One of them is Anthony wrote, Karen is great. She's attentive, gives great advice, and really makes you think about your issues so you can resolve them in a fashion where you are comfortable. Visit betterhelp.com slash S-S-S, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they are now recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. We have a special offer for you. For Stop Self-Sabotage listeners, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com dot com slash SSS. As a therapist myself, I can't recommend them more sincerely. Go online, talk to them. They will be very attentive to your needs and they will get you the help you want. Sarah Hunter is the other half of Two Heads. She began creating characters and dramas in her neighborhood back, backyard at the age of eight back in West Lafayette, Indiana. I grew up in Missouri, in Chicago. We weren't that far. Uh, From graduate school to her time in Los Angeles, Sarah remains a dedicated student of classical and modern theater. She has dubbed Japanese cartoons, done voiceover work, and had her original plays produced in Los Angeles and Pasadena, and continues acting, creating, writing, and dreaming. Most important thing for Sarah is a continuous reinventing of herself each time she writes another play or TV episode. Working with Sandra Cruz on Two Heads Are Better Productions has allowed her to continue writing episodes and acting. Working on her one-woman show, which she she has presented at Beyond Baroque in Venice, California, and her upcoming 
Dogs Are Better Than People at the White Fire Theater in West Los Angeles. Sarah loves the episodes in We're Not Dead Yet um, and enjoys watching them on the YouTube channel. And I am going to have the privilege of attending Sarah's new play called um, Escape from the Garden in about three weeks. So, Sarah, we're here to talk about creativity, laughter, love, the whole shebang. You are a creative person. What would you say about creativity and mental health? Wow. <laughs> creativity and mental health. Well, I would say for myself that if I can't laugh or have fun every day at some point, um, that my soul dies. I think um, being able to be creative and and playful uh, is so important for mental health and for physical health, too. Of course. Well, yeah, and they're one the same always, you know. But creativity is, I think, a fascinating um, thing to talk about because I, or you, you're the expert. I'm going to ask you, do you believe that everybody has creativity in them? They can be creative. Yes. yes. You know, I taught high school and community college for 50 years. That's half a century. And I can tell you right now that I was, um, privileged to do it, not paid well, but privileged to do it because um, whether I was directing kids in um, theater or having kids in my English class, going on field trips with kids, they can create visual um, art that I couldn't even attempt. And I would just be in awe. One kid, one time, uh, took me over to his garage uh, because I said, well, let me see you work on cars. I want to understand why you love it so much. And he showed me, you know, little details and ins and outs of his working on his car engine. And I just thought, oh, my God, there's creativity in everybody. It's just not the same. And that's what makes it fun. Yes. Yes. And to realize that when you're working on a car engine, you can be creative. You know, I, I'm not sure I would have said that because I tend to think of creativity as, you know, art, uh, painting, writing, you know, all the things that are, are in that realm, not working on cars. But you're right. You can be creative in anything. You know, making making dinner can be a creativity process. So you wrote a brand new play that I'm going to have the um, delight to see called Escape from the Garden. What inspired you to do that? My addiction to Marie Antoinette. <laughs> absolutely have been. I've been a <laughs> lunatic about her for at least 20 years. And, um, and the reason I became fascinated with Marie Antoinette is I thought, oh my God, here's the exact reverse of Cinderella. Cinderella, you know, was the... Um, scullery maid who ended up going to the ball and excuse me and running off with the prince and sure. you know ended sure. up having money well marie antoinette was born of the 11th child to the empress of austria right. and <clears throat> raised at a palace with unlimited um goodies right. 
And she ended up with her head chopped off before she was 38. <laughs> That's fascinating. The reverse Cinderella. That's the right. Reverse well, Cinderella. She um she uh, married the wrong guy. There's a metaphor in that too, you know. But uh, anyway, so you've been you've been fascinated with Marie Antoinette. And what does Escape from the Garden? Just give us a little bit about the plot so people well, can hear. It's a play, it's a play within a play. I have paralleled um, Tracy Green, an uh, aging, fading actress of television and film, um, uh, finds herself with a bad review down at the Amundsen from a critic that I named, you know, Charles Gregerson, and he calls her histrionic and uncontrolled. So she goes off the rails. I had originally titled the play Tracy Off the Rails. But uh, Escape from the Garden is so much more fun than that topic um, because um, she uh, has her great fall in front of her public and locks herself into her crappy apartment in Van Nuys, California, and enlists every single person in her family, including the maintenance man that she casts as Count Ferson. She casts (laughs) and makes her husband Louis XVI. She casts all these people around her as characters in Marie Antoinette's life. And she writes a terrible play called <laughs> Escape from the Garden, which, and, which she thinks is a whimsical title because, as she says, and you see, uh, it's Escape from the Garden because she never did escape. Yeah. And then yeah. when you get a ticket for the play, you'll see what happens from there after she writes this crappy play. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I would have a pretty easy time doing that myself, writing a bad play. How does the writing process work for you? That is your one of your outlets of your creativity as well as um, acting. And how does that work abs- for you? Absolute agony. Um, Anne, <laughs> Anne Lamont wrote a book called Bird by Bird. And I laughed out loud reading her book about the writing process because she really uh, presents the truth as I see it, which is people have this feeling that when writers sit down, it's just, you know, la-di-da and lots of fun and laughter and great <laughs> jumping up and down with pride. It's agony. Yes. I, I, I bake pies and eat half the pie in a sitting. <laughs> It's practice compulsive behavior. Yeah. Well, I know I've written a few books myself and, and somebody said, well, why don't you write another one? I said, because I've written them already. I mean, it is painful and yeah, it is indeed. And, and it very um, demanding time-wise, attention-wise in terms of writing a, a book or a play or anything, you know, it's just, um, and you think you're done and then you have to review it and you have to review it again and you have to keep on. So I get it. I understand. Um, but you still must love it because you still do it in terms of your own creativity and other people's you write and you also act in your own plays. And how, how do you do that? How can you write it and act it? Or is that simultaneous in your mind? Well, let's look at it this way. I'm I'm not in the plays that I write that are plays. In my um, 
I have someone else do them. And people, people have said to me, well, why aren't you playing the lead in your own play? You know, enough ego is enough ego. <laughs> I wrote it. Every word out of everybody's mouth I made up. That's enough. Yeah. I'm satisfied with okay. that. And you asked about what the fun part of writing was. Well, that's it. You know, when you when you finish it and you get it up, you get the opportunity to enjoy um, what yes. you're seeing that you did. And you also get the agony. So it's the joy and the agony. <laughs> because seriously, if you mess up and it's not good, well, you're responsible for that. Of course. Uh, so. What I do act in is the little series that uh, Sandy and I have fun with. Sandra Cruz is my um, two heads are better business partner. And the two of us have a web series called We're Not Dead Yet. And that is up on YouTube. I love that. Got, I've seen it. Oh, it's yeah. fun. Oh, it's fun. Very We've fun. got about, uh, yeah, 15, 17 episodes, whatever. So we write those together and then we uh, star in those together. So in that case, yes, I do. I do get a chance to perform stuff that I've written. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the one I think that was uh, one of you. I can't remember which one was um, uh, um, not assaulting, but talking to a homeless person. And there was this whole interaction that was hilarious about the homeless woman. I don't know which one that was, but. Oh yeah. That episode's called stand up and we've won awards on that episode. Well, that I'm, we, I'm sure. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Okay. So everybody really listening, fun. listen to we're not dead yet. I love the title too. So yeah. how did your family background um, influence your plays? Well, it's provided me for the fodder of writing plays that have the same tone as Tracy Letts, August in Osage County, or Eugene O'Neill's Long Day's Journey in Tonight, um, both of my parents um, being difficult and intellectuals. Um, my childhood was um, that mixture of having literary parents, you know, haul you to ballets and theater and and books everywhere and um, Dad, a college professor, and on and on. Oh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Oh. Is the uh, yeah, that's the play <laughs> that my sister and I think that it, it indeed our home like life, including the alcoholic mother and the father, um, as a history professor, and that's absolutely the way it was. As I look back on it now, both of my parents are deceased. I'm grateful beyond words for all the weirdness that happened and all the trials and tribulations, because in everything that's difficult, there is a gift. Mm -hmm. And God knows I learned my sense of humor to survive at home at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, it, it, it's all turned out. Yeah. I mean, you know, I crazy insecurities that I'm riddled with, I can write about those. And I, and I think if I hadn't had my upbringing and my parents and my school life and everything, you know, I don't, I don't know what would have happened, but yeah, no, it's fodder. I've written a couple of plays about moms and pops. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, is it true um, what you, what I've heard that you should always write about what you know? 
that that's the real gem to go for or or do you not believe that? Well, I completely believe that. But on the other hand, you know, you look at things like uh, movies like E.T. and you look at Aliens and you look at all the things, Star Wars, huge hit. Sure. Um, on and on with sci-fi and and uh, action stuff. And I say to myself, wow, I that just amazes me that people are always creating People, whether it's a book or a play or whatever, you create a universe and you get the people who are watching your play or reading your book to buy into that universe enough to go on the journey right. with you. So I think we write best about that, which we know. But, you know, Ray Bradbury, I mean, author after author, Stephen King. People are writing about things that perhaps they don't know. But as I think about your question, I think, well, you know what? They're writing about aspects of their personality and writing about aspects of things that they do know, even if they're creating a creature from another planet. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's and I I think that. um... I mean, I, I stand in awe of people who can do that. And I love that genre. I love the sci-fi genre. I love the, I'm a, a big lover of Outlander, time travel, that whole thing that suspends, you know, where we are. Um, and, I, and I wonder, as a writer myself of nonfiction, um, Stop Self-Sabotage being the book I wrote, the major book I've written, five, but um, I wonder how they come to that, you know, what does it, what does it take inside a person to plot out a series of six or three to six books or, you know, whatever episodes to make something that real that we buy into it, that is not real, of course. And what is that genius in there? What, I mean, you being the creative person, what do you think it is? You know, I I don't know, but the interesting thing that you just said, what was interesting to me was something about um, something not being real. Um, when I think about taste, people's personal taste or their lifestyles or anything about them, I say, oh, my God, uh, I have a line in my play where the character says, um, who's to say that my reality is 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 any worse than yours mm. you know because what i've discovered is that you know if you, you look like you look at something like the kardashians i've i've never watched them i see them all over social media and you say okay well the same person that's interested in that kind of fantasy and lack of reality might not be the same person who wants to watch dune or Star Wars. Right. But if we start dabbing, dabbling into what's real and what's not real, it's a huge territory that we're about to explore. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And I think I think so much of it comes with personal taste and whether it's past lives or lives or lives of people growing up, you know, they're experiencing something just totally different. Did you see the movie um, 
was it Nomadland that won the Oscar last year? I did not see that movie. I'm sad to say. Okay. I saw that twice. And a couple of people said to me, well, why did you like it? It was so grimly depressing. I said, because I like to go into territories and people's lives that I know nothing about and learn about it. They live in trailers. Right. And there's a whole culture, subculture, right. Or culture of people who do that. Yes. Yes. And they meet out at the trailer parks. And I mean, that's their lives. Yeah. And it's not better or worse than mine, but it's different. It's different. So yeah. And, and, I think to be creative on one one hand, if we're going to expand any kind of definition of it, is to allow yourself the freedom of expression, maybe to do something different than you wouldn't, than you've never done, you know, maybe to go into a world, like you're saying, of writing or painting or singing. And in my just personal note, I love to sing. Now, it would be really helpful if I could hit notes, but but currently I haven't quite mastered that art, but I've mastered the art of knowing every lyric for every show tune you could ever imagine. And um, I'm sort of living my, my dream of being a singer out with my husband who has a gorgeous bass voice and is in barbershops. Anyway, so, but I refuse to give up my creativity with singing, although everybody who hears me suggests strongly that that would be a really really good idea, you know, (laughs) but it's my heart. I love that part of life. I love singing. I love listening to musicals. I love singing along to them. I love singing in the car. And so I think that part of creativity, if we're talking about this today in a broad spectrum, is to give yourself the freedom to do what you love or to try to do or to to delve in. Like I have a dear friend, brilliant woman, you know, has done everything in the world, including running a major city in the country, who has now become a painter, you know, and she's a wonderful painter. Who knew that that was in her? In her 60s, she decided to delve into that creativity. And so, why not? And right? why not? Yeah. So, so this, you know, the song I would like to sing here with you is to give people permission uh, without judgment to go for it, to go into theirs like you have. You've written, you've produced, you've starred in. I mean, these are all relatively recent, right? The YouTube with... We're not dead yet and escape from the garden. You've allowed yourself the capacity to do those things. And that's to be admired. Well, thank you. Thank you. Because um, I, I always see it as an uphill struggle to, to get better and achieve something. And I want to make a comment about your singing. I don't want to go uh, further with that. <laughs> There's an old Chinese proverb that I used to tell my students and I tell myself too. And it says, if only the birds who could sing sang in the forest, the forest would be empty. Uh. So, you know, it's like 
I haven't heard you sing. I'm sure you're not terrible. I am legitimately terrible. <laughs> and I feel the way you do. I go right ahead and sing. Of course. Because of course. I'm 76. And I figure if I have 10 years or 20 years left, I am not going to be, quote, hiding my light behind a bushel. Absolutely. Behind a bush. I, I'm just going to go ahead and be bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, be naughty be now before it's too late. <laughs> yes. And be bad out loud and be bad big. Yeah. Go, go bad, go big. <laughs> have go fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and and to your point, I you know, people who are 36, 26, 56, it doesn't matter the age. Allow yourself that freedom to be creative, to be inspired by what you love and to let yep. it out. You know, if it's writing, yep. write. If it's singing, sing. If it's, you know, producing plays, produce them. So what just what inspired you? What are some of the um, authors and playwrights that you admire? Well, I love Tracy Letts. Uh, I liked his um uh, Osage County, very painful, but such a good play. Um, Great actor. And then I went to see his, um, I'm trying to think of the title. I literally loved it. I saw it here in LA. Um, uh, something about um, Buena Vista or it, it had the name of a Oh, Hispanic. the Buena Vista Social Club. Is um, that it? No. No, but it, but it was, it was something along those lines. Um I love Thornton Wilder's Our Town. Oh. That is going to remain my favorite forever because of the philosophy of life to yeah. celebrate and make holy the mundane, the simplest, tiniest parts of right. life. Yeah. Um, uh, I love Eugene O'Neill. I love um, Tracy Letts. I love Sam Shepard. I love Tennessee Williams, passionately in love with Tennessee Williams. Um, I love... Um, Oscar Wilde. I mean, it goes on and on yes. because yes. Um, when I was studying theater, you know, and studying the playwrights, I just, I got so, so impressed. Lillian, Lillian Hellman. I mean, it goes on and on and Neil Simon, you know, every time somebody says, Oh, Neil Simon, the odd couple Plaza suite, blah, blah, blah. He, uh, Brighton beach memoirs. Oh, he's just so lightweight. And I say, you know what? Go go back and go back and read some more, Neil. Yeah. Um exactly. He, he's he's really good. Right. No, well, exactly. And you know, embedded in a lot of those quote lightweight are social commentary, as it is in South Pacific, as yep. it is in My Fair Lady, as it is in a number of of musicals that we all know, West Side Story, um, that could not be said directly, but were said with music and accepted in that way. So, yep. you know, it's fascinating how you they people have used art to inform our better selves. Um, and on that note, my friend, thank you so much for being here and speaking about creativity. Any last thing you'd like to say to people who are want to be more creative? Um, I'd, I'd say just take your critic off your shoulder and you go, go ahead and do it. And if it's bad, so what? You can always redo it. That's right. That's right. You know, the only thing permanent is, uh, well, there's nothing permanent. 
<laughs> true. Nothing. True, true. I mean, yeah. yeah uh, Marvin Gaye said taxes, death and trouble. Well, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, other than that, people we're just, have we're, even avoid yeah. taxes. Yeah. But, you know, I love that because um, my thought about creativity is 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 very similar. And that is if you could quiet that nagging, critical voice and go back to being three, four, five, and mommy going, that's a beautiful picture. Oh, we're going to put it on the, we're going to put it on the refrigerator and have that pride that you had. I remember my daughter, just her eyes lighting up and we would say, that is wonderful. And we're putting it on the refrigerator so everybody can see it. Um, there's such joy in creating, particularly yep. if you can do it without your, with your, out that, uh, negative critical parent in your head, you know, just tell them to That's hush, right. hush up. I've listened enough. I'm going for it. So as Very, you have, those are words of wisdom from you. All right. All right. My friend, I will see you at your play. So Sarah. You know, I'm coming, you know, my, my husband and I are coming and your good friend, Mary is coming. We're all coming to your show. It is, it is in Pasadena. Tell me where people can get tickets, how they can get tickets, escape from the garden. Ah, thank you so much. We have nine performances and it is actually in studio city studio on city. Tahunga. Okay. And if you go on to Eventbrite, that's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com you can get tickets for um march 11 12 13 it's three weekends friday saturday and sunday matinee and it is escape from the garden i wrote it and sandy is in it and mary is helping with the production every day and i'm grateful beyond belief i promise you you will laugh that's a promise. I I laugh every time you and I ever talk. So I can believe that. And if and people are in California and L.A. area, anywhere around L.A., get to this performance. It's starting there, but I'm sure it will not stay there. It will broaden and go international. So get there first. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I really do. Um, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying meeting new people and interviewing people and getting different perspectives. But what I really miss is connecting with you directly. So I've been thinking about that. I thought, how can I do that? How can I make that happen? Because if you've been listening, you probably have some questions about what self-sabotage is as it applies to you. So this connection is going to happen. This is how it's going to go. Um, I'm going to give an online Zoom seminar on Saturday, May 14th. That's Saturday, May 14th, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, 12 o'clock um, Central Time, 11 Mountain, and 10 Pacific. So whatever time zone you're in, those are the, those are the times. It's for two hours, and we are going to deal with every question that you have. We're going to talk about in the seminar how you can get the answers to the self-sabotage behaviors that may be bugging you, such as, how come I don't have a relationship I want? 
Why aren't I making the money I truly would like to make? Or why am I not advancing in my career? And why isn't this weight falling off? All these different questions that have to do with your internal belief system, your level of self-esteem, your level of self-confidence, and permission from your past. Those go into making up what you believe you deserve. And if you don't believe you deserve it, you won't let yourself have it. You won't even go after it. Or if you achieve it, the health, the weight, the relationship, and you don't believe you deserve it, you will throw it away. We're going to look in this seminar, this two-hour seminar, that's going to have me presenting all these different answers, taking questions from you directly and answering those. All those different things are going to be looked at. And the strategies that you get into, settling for less, denial, resignation, giving up before you start, all these different sabotage strategies that you may be living. We're going to turn it around and we're going to give you an answer, an answer that you will really enjoy and hopefully implement into your life. So you're thinking, okay, well, this sounds kind of good. You know, I'm going to get two hours of connection and and um, talking. So it's going to be a lot of money. Nope. Uh-uh. Not going to do that. It is $49.95. That's it. And believe me, if you had two hours of therapy, it would be a whole lot more than that. So this one-time seminar on May 14th is $49.95. If you have any interest in knowing more, I want you to email me at pat, P-A-T, then the letter P, pat, P, at, then put at, pat, again, pearson.com. It's a tough one. People, it's hard for people to get this. Let me go over it again. Pat P at Pat Pearson, P-E-A-R-S-O-N. It's my last name, dot com. Pat P, Pat Pearson.com, May 14th, two hours for the very, very minimal price of $49.95. Email me your interest and we will connect and we will tell you how to go, go forward. If you get a group of 10, we'll make it even less. So anything is possible. You deserve more in your life. And this is one of the answers and how to get it. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.